Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this summer is stressing the importance of being a good steward on the trail, finding ways to avoid contributing to crowding, and staying safe on public lands. We'll talk about how just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages everyone to come out and experience state parks during its centennial year, its 100th anniversary especially through its service projects listed online at stateparks.oregon.gov. It's a way to enjoy the parks you love while doing activities to help, like cleaning up trails and restoring wetlands. All right, in today's episode, we're welcoming back one of our favorite outdoor writing authors to talk about our favorite summer road trips that mix together hiking, camping, climbing, floating, and everything else we love to do during Oregon's hottest months. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, in today's episode, we are welcoming back a great friend of the show to talk about awesome road trips that you can take across Oregon this summer. Franziska Weinheimer is the owner and operator of the website Hike Oregon which true to its name has numerous ideas for hikes in Oregon. She also has a collection of videos on YouTube, pictures on Instagram, and is the author of multiple hiking books. Most recently, Lakes of the Cascades, 50 Enchanting Oregon Lake Hikes. Franziska, welcome back. I think this is our third podcast together. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again, Zach. This podcast is such a wealth of information about the Oregon outdoors, and I always love contributing. Well, we love you contributing and coming with us on this journey. So today, the podcast is going to be us picking one of our favorite road trips for each month of the summer season. So we're going to do June, July, August, and September. We're going to pick a quick local option that you can pick to get out there and have a, have a local road trip, maybe an hour or two from the Willamette Valley. And then we'll have a longer one where we weave together together great places to camp, hike, float, and swim in, you know, farther reaches of the state. So we're going to have at least 16 different ideas, but I do want to start with a few tips about traveling just based on what we've been seeing in Oregon in recent summers, which is skyrocketing number of people outdoors. You know, often they've been a little bit more unprepared, more people getting, getting lost and needing rescue. So we're going to touch on a few different things. Now, bringing stuff like the 10 essentials, having good hiking boots, bringing water and food, you know, do a quick Google search, you know, just look at like the 10 essentials and that should get you going. But there are a, a lot of new things that it helps to be prepared about. And so we're going to touch on a couple of those. And the first one is, do I need a permit? And that's relevant because the number of places that require a special permit to visit is expanding pretty much every season in response to that growing number of people in Oregon's outdoors. The newest place you need it is you need a timed entry permit to get into the waterfall corridor in the Columbia Gorge around Multnomah Falls. But there's other 
you know, places where it's still pretty new that you need a permit, the Central Cascades. So that's in the Three Sisters, Mount Washington and Mount Jefferson Wilderness areas. So you need a day or an overnight permit there. There's also recreation permits, uh, everything from a fishing license to a waterway access permit. So if you have a boat longer than 10 feet on any Oregon waterway, guess what? You need a permit for that now. So Francisca, how do you go about researching permits and and getting them? And and what's your process there? Yeah. So um, to get the most accurate information, I just generally go to the website of whoever manages the land that I will be recreating on. So that will either be like BLM, the Forest Service, or a state park. And uh, then I just research on their website to see if the trail requires a permit. Uh, These websites also have all the details on how to obtain whatever permits you may need for that trail or trailhead parking. Yeah. So it's just all about doing the homework in advance. I think that's the number one Mm -hmm. thing I've been saying to people is just like, do a little bit of homework, do, you know, a (laughs) Google search, make a phone call and just know what to expect ahead of time. Another thing that's been a common theme uh, recently has been getting a reservation for a campground, a campsite, you know, a cabin. It's just been getting harder and harder to get those places where you could kind of take for granted that you could get a campsite in the past. Not necessarily the case anymore. It's almost become cyber warfare to like claim the best spots six months in advance, like by clicking the moment it comes available. So I'd say it's worth making reservations in advance on recreation.gov if you can. But I'd also encourage checking out options like first come, first serve campsites, because there are a number of those and, you know, and dispersed sites, backcountry sites. So there's, if you don't get the reservation you want, there is a lot of other options. Again, it just requires doing that research. Uh, what are your big tips on scoring that that great campsite? Um, so if you're wanting to book a campground and have a flexible schedule, I highly recommend going during the week, like usually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Those are the best days to score a campsite. Um, especially after like a holiday weekend, they're almost always empty. Uh, But if you can't get a campground, one of the things that I do is I car camp at snow parks. Uh, Most snow parks in Oregon are open for overnight parking and are usually in really, really great locations, like prime locations where you would want to hike and stuff like that. Uh, Most of the snow parks are big, open, flat parking lots with pit toilets, and most of them have trash cans as well. So um, I first started using snow parks during my many book research trips around summer, around the state last summer. And it's really funny, like around 7 p.m., I would start seeing all the van lifers like slowly (laughs) filtering in and like park for the night. It was so cute. (laughs) And uh, as a frequent solo traveler, I always feel much more comfortable and safe at snow parks versus like going to a dispersed campsite somewhere. That's a really interesting. I hadn't actually thought of that, even though I've inadvertently used them, you know, to get like situated and like, like set up. Uh, I'd never thought about actually camping there, but it sounds like that's a pretty common thing for people who can just sleep in their vehicle to do, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, so unfortunately, one thing I also wanted to mention before we got rolling was, you know, wildfires have just become an increasing part of planning a trip in Oregon. And that's kind of in two ways. You know, first, there is still large areas of public land that are closed, mostly from the 2020 Labor Day fires. So some areas beginning to reopening, 
some are still closed and you got to do the research there if you're going east of salem in the sanium canyon area if you're going into the clackamas river canyon make sure you know that the place you want to go is open before you you know you actually hit the road it also helps i mean if it's active wildfire season to make sure there's not a fire burning uh where you want to be going because obviously that there can be closures there too and then one underrated way to plan in advance is checking what the air quality is going to be like where you're going and i thought about this especially last year in central oregon they had pretty bad air quality for a lot of the summer and that's because of wildfires all the way down in northern california were funneling smoke just up the east side of the cascades and it was really having a big impact on bend one way that you can check that in advance is the Department of Environmental Quality has an air quality monitoring map where you can see in real time what the air quality is. If it's hazardous, you know, you can see that in real time. And, and so maybe you're probably not going to want to go there at that point. And so just knowing what the air quality is like if an area is smoky before you go is a big help. And finally, checking out the uh, the weather is always a big deal. My favorite tool is the National Weather Service website where you can actually get an accurate forecast for high altitude places like Waldo Lake. Like if you want to go to Waldo Lake, but you're not sure it might be windy or maybe it's snowing up there because it's high elevation, you know, you can actually click on that spot and get an accurate forecast for that location. So any other quick hits or advice that you want to, to touch on before we hit the road? No, I think you pretty much covered it. Well, now we're going to get into the more fun stuff. Uh, we're going to go back and forth, each picking a favorite summer road trip for each month from June to September. We're going to pick that local option and then a more adventurous option that takes you to a far-flung part of the state. So I'm going to get us going, and I'm going to start out my with a local road trip that is kind of unusual, and people might be surprised by it, but it is the Willamette Water Trail. Now, Sometimes the Willamette gets this bad rap of being this river that is full of dead bodies and toxic sludge, but that is not the case. The water quality is far better now than it was 100 years ago, and the river is pretty beautiful outside city limits. It's filled with wildlife, birds, makes for a great local trip because there's a ton of places you can float and camp overnight. Uh, for example, one of my favorite places to camp anywhere is a place called the Nickel Sanctuary, just this beautiful rock beach grassy campgrounds among these oak trees um great agate hunting you can have a little campfire feels like you're in the middle of a remote wilderness but guess what you're only 15 miles as the crow flies from downtown salem but you can only get there by boat and you can also camp on the surrounding islands there's beaches you can go fishing and it's pretty beginner friendly you know, so if you're not a whitewater boater, that's okay because there's generally not a ton of rapids or even very fast moving water on the Willamette. I do have to add that there is some issues, increasing issues with uh, garbage on the river in some some areas. And that is mostly due to kind of an uptick in the unsheltered population. And there's a big effort underway to regulate trash in the river. But what I like to do is go for that scenic float do that camping, and then pick up any trash that you see along the way. As a kayaker, I try to do that anyway. So it's kind of have that fun and do some good at the same time. If you want to plan a trip on the Willamette Water Trail, there is really good maps that show all the boat access points, all the places to camp, 
and that is at willamettewatertrail.org. So have you ever been on the Willamette and w would you do it? Like, would you be up for it? That sounds amazing. <laughs> You're not dissuaded by the Willamette's like uh, reputation of being this like gross river that is an urban stream. <laughs> well, actually, where I live, um, I live just a couple blocks away from the river, and it's actually really beautiful there. So, um, no, I think I would I would float down there. <laughs> uh, all right, well, it sounds like you don't need any convincing. Um, so, what's your first local pick for the June road trip? What's your local spots you're going to? Yeah, so I am going to pick the Mackenzie River area. So from the town of Mackenzie Bridge up to Clear Lake, Highway 126 follows the Mackenzie River. And there are beautiful, multiple, multiple beautiful campgrounds along the way, um, as well as incredible short hikes like Blue Pool, Sahaley and Coosa Falls, and of course, the loop around Clear Lake. If you want to backpack or even mountain bike, you can check out the 26-mile-long Mackenzie River Trail. There are even a couple of hot springs you can check out along the trail. Um, Deer Creek Hot Springs is right on the river, and it's free, whereas Belknap Hot Springs is privately owned, and you can pay a fee to soak in those pools. The pools there are really, really nice and well-maintained, and they also have a small lodge and cabins you can rent there as well. Yeah, I love I love Belknap, but I got a question for you. So I've heard a million times about Deer Creek Hot Springs. I'm mm -hmm. not asking you to give away the coordinates, but uh, if you do your <laughs> research, is are is they are they pretty easy to find? Like, is can the average person find Deer Creek Hot Springs? Yes. Yeah, it's really it's pretty easy. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll have to check that one out. All right. So for our longer road trip for the month of June, we are both going to talk about kind of the same area, but in a little bit of a different way. Our trip is going to take us all the way down to Oregon's south coast and the magic area around the town of Brookings. So Francisca, what is the place that you want to highlight down there? Yeah, so I have actually gone to the Oregon coast since I was a kid, and I honestly didn't think the coast could get any more beautiful until I went down to Samuel H. Boardman's State Scenic Corridor last year, way down near California border uh, near the town of Brookings. And uh, this linear state park is 12 miles long, and each viewpoint is seriously more breathtaking than the next. Um, there are multiple little parking areas so you can get out of the car, stretch your legs, and check out hidden beaches natural rock bridges, and wildflower-dotted cliffs and viewpoints. And the Oregon Coast Trail essentially connects all of these trailhead parking areas. So if you're interested in hiking a few more miles um, or even longer, uh, you can connect multiple beaches and viewpoints together. And I think if you wanted to, you can string together like a hike of the entire thing. Have you ever thought about trying that? I have actually. Yeah, I, that's on my list of things to do. Yeah, I think it's got a decent amount of uh, like places where you have to veer out onto to Highway 101. But I don't know. I've always mm -hmm. thought it'd be I'd always thought it'd be fun to just connect them all into one because you're right. That is a really, really scenic coast. That might be the most scenic section of the entire coast overall. I think so. Yeah, I think it probably is. And there's actually kayaking tours, uh, sea kayaking tours that you can do oh, wow. if you want to get in the water down there. And 
you know, you kind of got to know what you're doing, but they're also not that intimidating. So if you went mm-hmm. down there and you took like a class or two, like you can get it done. And I've heard it's pretty great. It's that's one of the it's on my bucket list uh, for that sure. That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm going to stay in that corner of the world. Uh, the Boardman Corridor is, is great. And by the way, if you want to learn more about the namesake of the park, uh, Samuel Boardman, who was the father of Oregon's state park system. Uh, we just did a history of state parks in our last podcast, but a fun little teaser. So Boardman, the guy who basically built the state park system, he started out as a bankrupt farmer who basically got the job running state parks originally because he be- he believed in this idea that if you planted trees all over eastern Oregon, it would summon the rain. Like that was, that was his big idea. Um, so basically back in the 1920s, he worked for the highway department and they were just like, we need somebody to run this, this new little parks department. Um, who are we going to pick? Well, what about that guy that likes trees over on the east side of the state? Yeah, let's go with him. And so that was how we got the start. And that was the guy that built the state park system essentially from scratch. So an inauspicious start, but it ended up working out. But, uh, to get back to the point here, um, since you've road trip down to Brookings and you're, you know, checking out the Boardman area, it's also important to visit the tallest trees on earth, the mighty redwoods. And they are even on Oregon soil down there. So there are old growth redwoods on Beaver State soil. And you can visit them, especially on two trails outside of Brookings. So one is the Redwood Nature Loop and the other one is the Oregon Redwoods Trail. Both are very much worth visiting. And one of the reasons I like them so much is that it's much smaller crowds than you find in the California redwoods that are just to the south. So both trails, you're often wandering among these redwoods in solitude. And that's pretty cool because that there's not a lot of places to do that. As far as a base camp in that area, I like Loeb State Park, uh, which is just across from the Redwoods Nature Loop. So you can just camp there and then head across the way to those redwoods i also like harris beach state park classic coastal park pretty close to brookings other activities in that area there's uh, really good fishing on the chetco river if you get a if you get like a little fishing guide down there there's fantastic fishing across the south coast but especially on the chetco uh and it's also fun to stand up paddleboard on the chetco river in the summer as it gets low it's a really clear river and as long as you're down there looking at redwoods, it's worth sneaking across the border and checking out Jedediah Smith Redwood State Park. The crowds get there pretty big during the summer, but if you go really early in the morning, it's definitely worthwhile if you just sneak down there. Make sure to go to the Grove of the Titans Trail, which just opened up. I, For my money, it is the most spectacular trees in the world anywhere. And so it's worth checking those out. We have old podcasts specifically about the Titans and road tripping around there. So worth going down there, even though I'm kind of focusing on the Oregon Redwoods. I'm Travis Joseph. I grew up exploring Oregon's forests, mountains, lakes, and rivers with my family. Today, I lead the American Forest Resource Council. My love of the outdoors inspires me to advocate for better stewardship of our public lands and natural resources. At AFRC, we value protecting Oregon's forests and the benefits they provide to all, clean air and water, healthy wildlife, top-notch recreation, and renewable climate-friendly wood products. We're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more about us at amforest.org. Um, all right. So 
we've gotten through June. We're going to head into the warmer month of July. So, Francisca, where are you going to take us in July for your local trip? Okay, so my local pick for July is going to be the Oak Ridge area. Um, Even though I hype it up year after year on my website and in my books, I feel like the Oak Ridge area is still so underrated. Um, Some fantastic campgrounds within 15 to 20 minutes from town actually are a Black Canyon, Salmon Creek, Packard Creek Campground, Sand Prairie, and Blue Pool Campground. Not to be confused with the Blue Pool on the Mackenzie. (laughs) How many Blue Pools are there out there? There's got to be a lot of them. It's like Olali. It's like everywhere in yeah. the state. Or devil. Um, if, the number of places or, named for the devil in Oregon yes. would blow your mind. <laughs> so true. Um, so if you're staying at one of these campgrounds, you can find a plethora of things to do around the area. You can paddleboard or fish at Hills Creek Reservoir. You can mountain bike one of the many trails nearby or even hire a shuttle company out of Oak Ridge. They will actually take you and your bike in a van <laughs> to the top of some of the most amazing and best um, mountain biking trails in the area. And then you can cruise down the hill and they will pick you up at the bottom and then you can do it all over again. <laughs> so if you're into mountain biking, this is definitely a a must. And actually, people come from all over the world to do mountain biking near Oak Ridge. So, uh, but if hiking is more your speed, you will find incredible wildflower displays around the area during the month of July. Some of my absolute favorite wildflower hikes near Oak Ridge are Tire Mountain, Grasshopper Ridge, Mule Mountain, and Bunchgrass Ridge. If you prefer to stay in the forest where it's much cooler, you can go waterfall hunting. And I highly recommend checking out gems like Pool Creek Falls, Lillian Falls, and a little bit further up Highway 58, there are Salt Creek Falls and Diamond Creek Falls. You know, every you know, you do talk about Oak Ridge a lot, but I was just thinking <laughs> as you were listing off the the hikes and the waterfalls, I've only been to one of those places, like Salt Creek Falls oh, wow. and Diamond Creek Falls. That's the only area that I've been to up there. A lot I've gone mountain biking up there, but yes. the other place like Bunchgrass, Mule Mountain, I've never been to those places. So um yeah gotta 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 make another trip to 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 oak ridge i think yeah all right so i'm gonna do my local road trip and i'm excited to talk about this one because i really like this area and in the same way that oak ridge is over often overlooked this area is often overlooked and so the area that i'm talking about is kind of the south santium river corridor uh around tombstone pass and in the old cascades area so if you're in albany and you head east um, or you, you had kind of southeast from Salem. It's this area that's kind of generally located around Sanium Junction. And as a base camp, there are actually four or five campgrounds along the South Sanium River. My favorite is House Rock, but there's also Trout Creek, Cascadia, Ukiah campgrounds. They're all great because they have access to swimming holes on the South Sanium, which are really, really good. It gets low, it gets warm-ish, anyway and it's you know just really pretty there's dense forest and look with the you know places like the little north sanium and the opal creek area still closed swimming holes kind of at a premium they're harder to come by and so these are some pretty good alternative ones 
while you can camp and swim at those places, it's also a great base camp because it's very close to a region called the Old Cascades. We've talked about the Old Cascades a number of times in this podcast about how they have awesome wildflowers and mountain views. But again, a few of my favorite hikes in this area that are just up the road from those campgrounds are Iron Mountain, Crescent Mountain, Browder Ridge, Echo Basin, Coffin Mountain. We've got a full podcast devoted entirely to the Old Cascades, so we go into a lot greater depth. And we also have one of my favorite things is an interview with a geologist who explained what makes the Old Cascades the Old Cascades. And a fun little teaser is that it's because volcanic activity has gradually shifted from west, like closer to the Willamette Valley, going east, going east, going east, until they got where they are today. But they've left this trail of extinct volcanoes in the foothills and in their wake. And so the Old Cascades are these extinct volcanoes, and they have a lot of interesting biodiversity because of that. Whereas the new Cascades are the, you know, Mount Hood, Mount Jefferson sisters, and so on. But listen to that podcast for all that info. And, uh, you know, if you want to nerd out on the geology a little bit. All right. So it's July is a great month for statewide road trips. And so where are you going to bring us? Okay. I'm going to take you way over east between Baker City and Hell's Canyon. Near a town called Halfway, there are a few small campgrounds, Eagle Forks Campground and McBride Campground. And from there, you can, dis- from there you can discover the southern edge of the Wallawa Mountains. The trails in this area are very secluded, and this, and this is definitely a place where you can find lots of solitude. Uh, One of my favorite trails to do in mid-July out here starts at Summit Point Trailhead. It's an easy hike up to Summit Point Fire Lookout, which is staffed during the summer. And uh, they don't, the people that staff the fire lookout don't see a lot of people. So they will chat with you, you know, for maybe an hour. (laughs) Just be warned. (laughs) Um, When I hiked this trail last, or two summers ago, I was lucky enough to meet a couple of geologists who showed me what to me looked like just a large pile of white rocks, and I probably would have just walked past it not knowing what it was, but it was actually a 230 million year old coral reef, just one-tenth of a mile from the turnoff to the fire lookout, and it was absolutely incredible to see and get to learn about that, so... And then if you want to continue the hike, you can um, hike along Cliff Creek Trail, which takes you through huge fields of blooming purple lupin and just grand views of the Wallawas. If you hike 3.6 miles, you come to Schneider Cabin at the base of Cornucopia Peak, right next to a beautiful babbling stream. And it's just absolutely heaven there. Um, To continue your road trip after the hike, head over to Hell's Canyon. Um, Two of the most convenient campgrounds to get to are Copperfield Park and Westfall Campground, which are both right at the edge of the Snake River. Wow, that sounds great. That is another area that I haven't been to. And I've meant to like halfway is kind of a a fun like town that has kind of, uh, there's a lot going on there. I hear about halfway. Mm-hmm. It's got this kind of iconic status. So the place you're talking about is not actually into like the Southern Eagle Cap or the Wallawa Mountains. It's kind of like at the base of that. Do I have that right? Correct. Yep. Right at the base. Yep. 
Cool. That, and that's, you can uh, you can hike into the Wallawas that way if you wanted to do a backpacking trip. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, because I've heard about backpacking trips that start on the southern end of the Eagle Caps. And that area is, again, more solitude filled because it takes a yeah. while to, to get there. Um, yeah, I'd really like to make it to the southern Wallawas and do what you're talking about. But I'm going to take my this opportunity to mention my favorite trip in the Wallawas. Um, that's a, about a three day trip. And, you know, it starts at the super popular Wallawa Lake Trailhead, you know, over by Joseph. You know, that's a tourist hotspot in the summer, but you know, go there on like a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and it's a little bit better. But anyway, you start there and uh, you backpack maybe 3000 feet of climb. And I forget how many miles, but you're heading into Ice Lake and uh, one of the most beautiful lakes that you'll see anywhere. And then you do a scramble climb to two of the highest points in the Eagle Cap Wilderness. Um, and that is the Matterhorn and Sacagawea. They're just under 10,000 feet, but they're not too hard to get to. You don't need any technical mountain climbing skills. And the scenery up there is just second to none. And late July is a good time to do that. Does get crowded, but again, target that Monday to Wednesday time period and you can make it happen. Have you ever gotten into the back country of the Eagle Cap? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did the trip you're talking about mm. um, two years ago. And then last year I went on a um four night five day uh different loop yeah and gotcha. i summited you... eagle cap as well how was eagle cap i've that's been on the bucket list for forever too oh incredible absolutely incredible yeah well can't miss that area i have heard that that area is seeing bigger and bigger crowds i mean the yes. secrets the secret's been out for a while but that's actually one of those places where i'm sort of anticipating a permit system coming online mm -hmm. at some point. Um, but we'll see how it goes. So alternatively, in for my statewide road trip, you know, if you want to get away from the crowds a little bit, but you want to go to some of the cool Eastern Oregon mountains, because Eastern Oregon has really cool mountains, the place I'm going to recommend is actually the Elkhorns. And they are just outside Baker City. And the range is often overlooked, again, in favor of the Wallawas and the Eagle Cap. And that's one reason I like it. These are tall, rugged mountains with wildflowers, alpine lakes, and notoriously friendly mountain goats. But yeah, less people. There's kind of two ways to experience this area. The more fam family-friendly option is to go make a base camp at Anthony Lakes Campground. It's a big campground right along. It's actually next to a ski area in, in the winter, this really cool kind of small ski area. But Anyway, big craggy mountains surround this big lake where you can camp and fish. There's a bunch of really easy hikes right from the lakeshore. Um, great destination for kids. And if you get lucky and plan ahead, there's actually a guard station cabin that you can rent that is right on the lake. And that's that's basically heaven if you can score it. The more adventurous option is backpacking or mountain biking in the Elkhorn Crest Trail. This is one of Oregon's real, real gems. The trail is 23 miles one way. And what's cool about it is it doesn't go up and down. You know, you start start high on Marble Pass right around 8,000, 8,500 8, feet. And you stay at this high elevation almost the entire way. It's like tight roping across the spine of the Elkhorns past all these cool lake basins that are kind of carved into the edges. And it's also rare in that you can mountain bike part of it um until you reach the border of the north fork john day wilderness and you drop down there's an outfitter out there who will do shuttles and he leads mountain bike tours as well some of the real highlights are you know putting your your 
tent down at places like Twin Lakes or Summit Lake or Dutch Flat Lake. The scenery is really spectacular out there. It's just kind of these lake basins carved in there. You do have to be ready for a visit from the mountain goats of the area. They are friendly as an understatement uh, because they've come to associate backpackers with the salt from their sweat and yes, even their pee. So mountain goats love hiker pee because it's full of sodium. And so you'll walk in there and they get jarringly close. And these are big animals, you know, 300 pounds, 400 pounds. They have big horns and you kind of have to like shoo them off a little bit and they'll, they'll get the point and they'll kind of leave you alone. But I don't know. Like it's, it's interesting. It reminds me a little bit of like maybe the, the bears of Yellowstone or something where you get up close and personal with, with animals and it's majestic, but it's also a little bit unnerving. Um, have you heard the Elkhorns? You've been out there at all? Yeah. Yep. I uh, did some book research there. Um, Twin Lakes. Oh, absolutely stunning. I went actually in the fall, which the fall color is surprisingly beautiful down there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I should mention uh, one of my favorite trips was climbing uh, Rock Creek Butte, um, which Mm -hmm. is kind of the tallest mountain out there and just great view from the top. Was there very many people when you were in the Elkhorns? Like, am I overselling the solitude there? Have the people found that? Because it was like five years ago that I was there now. No, uh, we saw, I think, two other people hiking and uh, two mountain bikers when we went. And then we went to Anthony Lakes and did a loop there. And I think we saw one small group of backpackers the entire time. So definite solitude for sure. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. If you enjoy hiking the trails of the Tillamook Coast, consider becoming active in their care. By acting as a steward to our beautiful natural spaces, you're investing in their future health and sustainability. There are many different ways to be a good steward. Pack out everything you pack in. Stay on marked trails. Park only in designated parking areas at trailheads. Pick up after your dogs and take home nothing but photos. If you want to take on a larger stewardship role, there are several local conservation groups who could use your volunteer power on a number of projects. To identify an organization to volunteer with, email danhag at tillamookcoast.com. Once again, that's Dan Hag. He's your contact. And his email is dan, D-A-N, at tillamookcoast, which is all one word, dot com. But all right. Okay. So we're headed from July into the dog days of August. So where are you taking us to keep cool on the local side as we swing into August? So since August is usually pretty hot in Oregon, I am going to stay very local and talk about Lookout Reservoir. Just 23 miles east of Eugene, Lookout Reservoir is a wonderful place to enjoy those water sports, whether it be jet skiing, canoeing, paddle boarding, or simply just swimming. The water stays pretty cold even in the hottest months and will offer a nice reprieve from those temperatures in the 90s that we frequently get here in the valley during August. You know, I kind of like that you're hitting on a reservoir because I found that with a lot of people, like they'll sort of like stick up their noses at reservoirs and be <laughs> like, oh, I want to go find like a pristine swimming hole. Or I want to go to a mountain lake. And look, mm-hmm. like if you just want to get out and enjoy the water and always find like a parking spot, 
and right. be able to access it really quick. Like the reservoirs are great. Like I'll just mm -hmm. cruise up to Detroit Lake, which is closer to my house. And there's always parking there. You know, I can, you know, and the kids don't care. Like they just want to get in the right. water. And so yep. the reservoirs are, I don't want to say underrated because they're super popular and often pretty busy, but there's always place there. Like it's set up well for recreation. So yeah. I like that yeah. one. Um, for my local pick, I'm going to go with a, my kind of my family favorites. And that is a place called McDowell Creek Falls County Park, uh, just outside of Sweet Home. This is definitely a, a day road trip, so we're not staying overnight or anything like that. But what I like about this place is it has these wonderful waterfalls, this, you know, I don't know if it's old growth forest, but it's it's older forest. It's a lot like a small slice of Silver Falls, but with, again, a lot less people, less rules. I've talked about it on this podcast before and a ton of and people still haven't really showed up. So I don't think I can ruin it at this point. But the thing I like about it is it has less rules, meaning like you can go and splash around in the waterfall pools. You know, you can go swimming in there. You can wade around in the creeks. You can have your dog with you on a leash without getting into trouble with a ranger. And all those things are not allowed at Silver Falls. So this is kind of like just a more laid back, chill alternative to Silver Falls. The trail, not nearly as long. You know, you don't have those giant waterfalls and the caves behind it. So it's not quite as spectacular. Um, and we're only talking about, you know, two to three miles of hiking tops, but it's a very sweet two to three miles. And again, if you want to get the kids out, you want to like splash around in a creek, look at some waterfalls in the forest. It's a pretty great little scene. So where are you going to take us for your statewide tour? This is kind of, you know, August road trip. That's like the, the peak of the Oregon experience. So, so where, where are you going to bring us? Oh, yeah. So I got to take you guys to my favorite place. The Cascade Lakes Scenic Byway. This byway goes from Highway 58 all the way over to Bend. And I really can't think of a more scenic stretch of road, to be honest. Um, along this drive, you will see Diamond Peak, Maiden Peak, the Three Sisters, Broken Top, and Mount Bachelor. Just epic mountain views. Uh, you could easily spend an entire week along this road checking out the various trails, lakes, campgrounds, and resorts. But if you don't have a week, here are a few of my favorites to check out. Um, Elk Lake Resort has live music every Saturday evening. They have great food and drinks, and they also have paddleboard and boat rentals as well. But if you are an avid paddleboarder, um, I would actually head over to Hosmore Lake and or Sparks Lakes as well. Um, the views from there are even more incredible. And some of my favorite hikes in the area are Six Lakes Trail heading towards Mink Lake, um, taking the South Sister Climber Trail to Moraine Lake. Um, and if you want a nice backpacking trip, I love hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail up to Reese Lake, Husband Lake, and Eileen Lake because those are a little bit uh, further away and you have to like backpack in uh, many miles. They're usually a little less um, popular and there's not going to be as many people around. So um, along the Cascade Lakes Highway, there are around 15 or so campgrounds as well as other places to stay. And uh, so even in the height of summer, you should should be able to find some camping or cabin openings generally. There's a little campground at Hosmer Lake, isn't there? Mm hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've always wanted to camp there because Hosmer is one of my favorites uh, for sure. And they have good camping there or they have good uh, fishing there as well. Mm -hmm. But my favorite story about Hosmer is that back in the day, it was known as Mud Lake because, <laughs> you know, it was full with like because it was really muddy. It wasn't like this cool lake or anything like that. And so at some point in the past, they put like a little earthen dam that raised the level of it just like a little bit. And it's enough mm -hmm. that it went from being this like muddy, crummy like pool to being like a legit cool lake that has this like it almost feels like a cross between a lake and a river because, um, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind of wind around in there. And yeah, Hosmer is is a gem does get pretty popular. But yeah, if early, yeah. early in the morning and then like midweek, uh, it's kind of yeah, it's a, it's a bucket list lake, I say. Yeah. All right. So we should mention uh, there's a couple permit controlled hikes mm -hmm. out there. Is it, would you say most of them along Cascade Lakes Highway require like the day permits or because that's kind of the, the the epicenter of it. So, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say most, but many, many of the really popular ones require the day permit. But all of them, of course, require that overnight permit. Gotcha. All right. Well, let's stay. You know, we're talking about late August. Uh, we're talking about Oregon. So I figured I'd, I'd keep it famous, too, since you hit a real famous place. So uh, the my statewide road trip pick is hard to get, get bigger than it. And it is Crater Lake <laughs> National Park, the deepest lake in the United States and Oregon's only national park. Now, one of the crazy things that I've observed about Crater Lake is that a shocking number of people just drive directly there stop, look at the lake in a few places, you know, maybe try to hang out at the lodge and then head home. And it just wastes so much opportunity. I did a story years ago about like the average time people spent at Crater Lake and it was much smaller than you would think it might be. And so first of all, you know, take advantage of the drive because it passes a lot of good stuff on the way. So my favorite way to get to Crater Lake is to head down I-5 to Roseburg and then take Highway 138 into the North Umpqua Canyon. This is kind of the Columbia Gorge of Southern Oregon because there's just a ton of easy waterfall hikes right along the highway that you can just stop, jump out of your car and explore. My favorite in this area are Fall Creek Falls, Tokety Falls, Watson Falls. There's a whole bunch of other ones. I forget how many, but there's like 18 waterfall hikes in this area. But that is not all. There is world-class mountain biking on the North Umpqua Trail. There's amazing whitewater rafting and fly fishing on the river. And if you need a place to relax at the end of the day, there's always Umpqua Hot Springs. Although, fair warning, you need to be prepared for naked hippies and potential weirdos out there. Just, you know, it's a beautiful spot. People like to come there. It's had some weird struggles, especially during peak season so i don't know maybe go there in the morning when the hippies are still sleeping um so yeah spend some time in the north umqua area ton of campsites and house rentals that could just be your trip i mean that's a pretty good road trip in and of itself but we're going to crater lake so continue up the road and you get pretty close to crater lake you can go to the north entrance if you want but i actually like instead of staying at crater lake's campground or the lodge up there when I go up there, I usually stay at a place called Union Creek Resort, which just has more affordable cabins. It's a more laid back vibe. It's along the Upper Rogue River. And there's great stuff to do along, along there. And there's a great famous restaurant there called Becky's. So from Union Creek, you actually head up to the actual Crater Lake. And obviously, there's a ton to do up there. But I would plan ahead. 
you know, and go there midweek if you can to avoid the worst of the crowds, get there early so you're not sitting in a long line at the entrance. One of the best things to do at Crater Lake has returned this year, and that's exciting, and that is the boat tour that takes you around Crater Lake. It's been closed the last two years because of COVID, but it is returning on July 4th this year. Buy those boat tickets ahead of time. Do not try to buy them when you get to Crater Lake. That is a recipe for disaster, and you'll very likely be disappointed. But the boat tour is super cool. Um, you know, it's very like national parkish. You've got a ranger up there telling you about all the geology and stuff like that. There is an option for to get dropped off at Wizard Island, and I would take advantage of that. And if you're going to go all the way out there, get the Wizard Island drop off, because if riding around inside the collapsed volcano isn't cool enough, it's extra fun to spend time on a little island in the middle of a collapsed volcano. Uh, other stuff to do, you can go swimming in Crater Lake from uh, the Cleetwood Cove Trail. Uh, swimming at Crater Lake is okay as long as you keep your body like right on the surface of the water, because if you dive down, it gets so cold, it feels like your chest is going to cave in. It's just really frigid, being the deepest lake in the United States. Other stuff, uh, I always recommend climbing Mount Scott, especially if it's later in August. Uh, that's the highest point in the park. And it's not too hard, actually. You you can climb up to the top. You get a full view of the entire lake. You really get a feel for the area and how, you know, it was once Mount Mazama exploded and became Crater Lake. Um, so that's one to do. There's obviously a lot more to do, but really a road trip to Crater Lake could be its own podcast. And maybe I'll do that at some point. So um, I'm going to cut myself off here. But uh, yeah, we have gotten through, let's see, June in July, and we've made it through August. We're heading into September. So what do you got for us on your local pick? Nice. Uh, speaking of Crater Lake, did you know you can fish in, in Crater Lake? I did, and I really <laughs> want to do that. I've heard it's super hard to actually catch the fish. Have you met anybody who I, has caught fish? I imagine it's very difficult. Well, I have it's... not seen or heard of anyone catching fish, but there is no daily catch limit there. So if you well, are lucky, you might get really lucky. <laughs> well, and that's the funny story. Cause like, it was like the, the original like guy, you know, they stocked, was it rainbow trout? I think in there to try and like mm -hmm. entice people to come. Not really. And people were going to be right. enticed to visit crater Lake, no matter what. And so they're like this invasive species in there, but right. it's gotta be really hard to trick them. Cause the water is so clear. Like they could look up and like, see you like up there and mm -hmm. be like, dude, I can see you. Like you're not, you're not fooling me. So um, <laughs> I want to try it. I'm just like, I'm skeptical that you'd actually catch anything, but I like yeah, that. You, I, I, I think you could probably sit there all day and not catch anything. <laughs> uh, probably. All right. So where are you bringing us? Yeah. So speaking of clear, beautiful lakes, I am taking you over to Waldo Lake. I know it's technically over an hour from Eugene, so not super local, but um, I wanted to talk about it because especially for September, Waldo Lake, like you can't visit Waldo Lake any earlier in the summer pretty much because of the horrendous mosquitoes that this entire area is known for. Um, so in September, it's also a lot easier to get campground spots at either Shadow Bay Campground or North Waldo Campground. And um, yeah, it's just very, very stunning there. Uh, Waldo Lake is the second largest natural non-alkali lake in Oregon and uh, with just under 10 square miles of water surface. So it's quite large. 
and with a maximum depth of 420 feet, this water is cold. So even late, late in summer, you probably won't want to swim for too long. Um, but Waldo Lake has tons of other activity options and uh, there's something here for everyone. So whether you like horseback riding, you can ride your horse around the lake, which is just over 21 mile loop. Uh, you can also mountain bike around the lake, which is really fun and quite easy. So you don't have to be like a professional downhill mountain biker to do this loop. Uh, you can take your paddleboard, canoe, or kayak out on the lake, which is gorgeous. You can explore little coves. And then there's countless hiking trails nearby as well. Some of my favorites are taking the Waldo Lake Trail over to Rigdon Lakes. Um, I also love summiting the Twins via Charlton Lake. Beautiful view of the entire area from there. And then if you do want to swim, but in some warmer water... Um, you have to check out Bobby Lake. It's seriously one of the best swimming lakes in Oregon, in my opinion. Okay. I need a little bit more information on Bobby Lake because the last two summers, I've come <laughs> really close to bringing my kids out there. But I I don't know. I've been thinking about the mosquitoes. So tell me, when, when do I need to do my Bobby Lake trip? And what do I need yeah. to know? I would say late August, early September, like on a hot day. Mm -hmm. in early September. It's just stunning. And can I, is it, I forget how long it is. It's not too long, right? Like, did you know offhand how, how long it is? It's like two miles in, but it's like the easiest two miles you've ever mm. hiked. Like it's flat. <laughs> so you're saying I could carry like a couple, a couple floaties and not floaties, only make it. A yes. I've done that. I have I've done that. <laughs> okay. Well, I think I think you've sold me. I've meant to do it. Like yeah. I think I've actually like bothered you for advice like multiple times with plans to do it, <laughs> and then it doesn't happen. Um, it's well, great. Yeah. And so I want to get out there. Uh, one thing I will add that we did a podcast about specifically boat in camping at Waldo Lake. Uh, that's where you kind of pack up all your gear into a canoe or kayak, and then you head out to find one of the many really beautiful boat in campsites. Uh, along that very large lake that you that you referenced. There's sandy beaches with little campgrounds there. There's hidden coves. There's just a lot to explore. And speaking of the the chill of the water, um, I like going uh, snorkeling up there and wanted to, to snorkel in, in Waldo. It was so cold, I brought my dry suit. So this is like oh, a, wow. full, a full body like suit to keep <laughs> me warm um, that I wear like kayaking in, uh, in the middle of winter. And that's what I wore to do Waldo because yeah, it's it's chilly. All right, so my local pick for September is uh, a place that become also I picked because it becomes blissfully mosquito-free in September. And so the place I'm going is the southwest side of the Mount Jefferson Wilderness. In the same way that you mentioned, you know, Waldo Lake probably being a little bit more than an hour from Eugene, the Jeff Wilderness is definitely probably more like 90 minutes from Salem, maybe even a little bit longer, but it's my local jam. And, you know, it's only an hour and change from my house. So, you know, close enough. Uh, this is part of the wilderness that didn't burn in the Labor Day fires. So the northern half of the Mount Jeff wilderness still closed. There's rumblings about it maybe reopening, maybe not, but we'll see. But this part of the area did not burn. And so it's still very pleasant, hasn't changed at all. You do need the, the permits, the overnight or the day hiking permit to get into most of the places around here because my favorite spots are Duffy, Santium, Marion, and Pamelia Lakes. So those are kind of the iconic west side lakes 
of the Mount Jeff wilderness. All easy, pretty popular. And I like it for a backpacking trip with my kids. I did Pamelia Lake last year. I've done Marion Lake in the past. So you're going to have some pretty fierce competition to get those permits, especially on weekends. Uh, so it's good to plan ahead. Or, you know, if you go to in September, once school is back in session, it gets a lot easier. And very often uh, you can have a campfire at that point because they often have put in campfire restrictions, you know, by in August and July. But by September, after it gets a little rain in there, um, often you'll be able to have a campground. Good fishing. I think my favorite of the group is probably Santium Lake, and that's the headwaters of the North Santium River. Fun fact. Really scenic with Three Finger Jack rising overhead. Pretty good fishing. I've caught some trout there. Um, it's 10 miles out and back. And then again, the favorite for kids is probably Pamelia Lake, which is just 2.2 miles in, 2.2 miles out. And it's also totally unburned, which is nice. You know, you get that shade and you're not, you know, out in the sun because even in parts that didn't burn in the Labor Day fire, there is the big scar from the B&B complex from 2003 where it can get kind of hot because it has the canopy hasn't filled back in yet. So all in all, just can't go wrong with the Jeff in September. So we are right at the home stretch for September road trip. Where are you bringing us for your statewide tour? Yeah, so I got to mention Mount Hood for this one. Mount Hood. Uh, late summer. Yeah, Mount Hood. We haven't mentioned him yet. So late summer and early fall is my favorite time to visit the Mount Hood area, specifically Timothy Lake, and then a little further west towards the Roaring River Wilderness. Uh, Timothy Lake has a great 13-mile loop trail that you can day hike or backpack, and the views from there are just awesome. There are lots of campgrounds at Timothy Lake as well as backcountry campsites if you're on foot. So that's cool. And then heading into the Roaring River Wilderness, you will find little campgrounds here and there like Shell Rock Creek Campground and my personal favorite Hideaway Lake Campground. This campground is right on Hideaway Lake, which is great for fishing and is also the perfect starting point for checking out Shell Rock Lake rock lakes and serene lake on either a pretty long day hike or a short backpacking trip if you want and like zach mentioned earlier in september the temperatures tend to be a little bit cooler and more pleasant for backpacking but the overnight temps aren't too cold yet which makes september one of my favorite months for backpacking excursions so i'm curious because i think like you like mount hood i it's I go both ways on it because it you get up to government camp in the summer and it's a madhouse and it's to the mm -hmm. point where it's just it's not that fun. So do you find in September like what are the crowds like? Do they do they decline noticeably? Is it kind of medium to OK or like what is what is it like up there? Well, so the Roaring River Wilderness is a little bit south of there. Um, and I would say by September, I mean, I saw no one. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think there was like one other group at the campground that we stayed at and we saw no one on the entire hike at to, to Shell Rock and Serene Lakes and stuff. So I would say the, the crowds, at least in the Roaring River Wilderness, they definitely drop off in September. Yeah, we did uh, one little podcast last year about the east side of uh, Mount Hood. 
and how that was a little bit quieter as well. There's a couple campgrounds mm-hmm. around there. And so if you just see on the, there's kind of a quieter east side of Hood and it's just wild. Like you get from the east side to the west side in summer mm-hmm. uh, to government camp and you're just like, good Lord, it's just, <laughs> it's too much. And so go back way, but this is a good way to experience Hood. There yeah. are good ways to do Hood in the summer. All right, well, I'm going to wrap up with one final statewide road trip and this one is going to be on the oregon coast trail now we mentioned it a little bit with the the boardman corridor but we had a full podcast about the glories and challenges of backpacking all 360 odd miles of the coast trail but it is fun and it's in a way it's a nice counterpoint to the more famous pacific crest trail the pct is all about mountain wilderness the oregon coast trail is much different you're definitely not in the wilderness in fact you can sleep almost every night at hotels along the way. You're walking on the beach quite a lot of the time. It's more of a navigational challenge to figure out how to get around bays and stuff like that. I'd like doing it in the autumn just because the uh, creeks that you have to cross pretty frequently are quite a bit lower uh, in the autumn. So it makes it a little bit easier there, which is important. Uh, The Oregon Coast Trail is also growing in popularity among through hikers. Like it's not like the PCT yet, it's not crazy touristy, but I'm 90% sure it's going to get there soon. So if you've ever wanted to do it, I would do it sooner rather than later before it becomes like this world famous destination. What else to know? Yeah, I would just encourage listening to our podcast on the Oregon Crest Trail. We had an author on there who broke it down in like crazy detail. I couldn't do justice to that right now. But yeah, Oregon Coast Trail. Plus, if it gets really hot in the summer, head to the coast. Uh, the, it still doesn't get that hot out there and that's a place to avoid wildfire smoke and the heat. So, all right, Francisco, we made it. That was a lot of places that we just covered. Uh, my goodness. So once again, I've been joined by Francisco Weinheimer, the owner and operator of hikeorgan.net and many fine guidebooks. Before you go, why don't you plug something on Hike Oregon or a book or anything? What you got for us? Yeah, so uh, you heard me mention a ton of lakes in this episode, (laughs) and that's probably because Alpine lakes are uh, on the forefront of my brain lately since I just published my new hiking guide book last month called Lakes of the Cascades, 50 Enchanting Oregon Lake Hikes. Um, You can get this book as well as my other books on my website or at some local bookstores in Portland, Salem, Eugene, Sisters Bend, and Medford. Um, And then for the website, I'm actually currently working on an article about 20 Central Oregon day hikes that don't require a limited entry permit, which is great. Mm -hmm. Um, And that should be out here mid-month, mid-June. And then for my next project, I'm also working on doing some hiking guides for some of the longer Oregon PCT sections that I've done. So doing the write-ups for those. That all sounds excellent, but I need to, I think I got to put you on the spot mm-hmm. since you just published a book on this topic. What's a mountain lake that we haven't heard of that is that is overlooked and worth visiting? I got one for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Corrigan Lake in the Diamond Peak Wilderness. Nice. It is three miles round trip. Super easy to this gorgeous little lake. You can camp at the lake. There's plenty of camping and just stunning views of Diamond Peak. Absolutely perfect. (laughs) So three miles, that sounds like that might be a winner for a kid back 
backpacking trip. Does that oh, sound accurate? Yeah. That sounds like the perfect place to go. Yep. Okay. So I've got two two trips for my kids now. I got Bobby Lake and I've got <laughs> Corrigan Lake that I can do. Yes. Now, have people found the Diamond Peak Wilderness yet? Because I keep waiting for that area to kind of blow up in the same way that the Three Sisters had. And there was concern about that. I remember they mm -hmm. thought about putting permits here and then they didn't ultimately do it. Have you got a good feel for Diamond Peak? Like, has that area gotten that big increase in crowds or are people, is it still not quite there yet? I mean, I haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, every the past couple of years when I've done my book research for the lake hikes, um, I honestly don't really ever see anyone when I go to these lakes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't think it's seen it quite yet. Um, the Diamond Peak Summit hike has gotten more sure. traffic, I think, over the past like three years or so. But that's the only one in the area that really has I've noticed or seen on social media more. Yeah, it's weird. I just feel like Diamond Peak, I keep waiting for it to like get that same vibe as the Jeff and the Three Sisters and it just hasn't quite gotten there. I feel like people are actually yeah. good enough with uh, those experiences and so it stays pretty under the radar. All right. Well, yep. sounds fantastic. I can't wait to read uh, the new book and thanks again for joining us today. I'm sure we will chat again soon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me again. All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com slash explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.